0: through eleven. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist, For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. And John announced, Someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. One day, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved Son, and you bring me great joy. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Our reading today introduces us introduces us to John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, uh, the famous character that wore this crazy getup of camel hair clothing and a leather girdle. And uh, that's what the belt would have been. And then um, his unusual diet, maybe it was vegan before we knew what vegan was, locusts and wild honey. Anyhow, that was John the Baptist. But today's gospel, even though it introduces us to John, is really not about John. Today's gospel is about Jesus. And Mark wants us to be clear about that in his introduction. In his introduction, that first verse, he says this. This is the good news. This is literally the gospel about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. In this introduction, gospel is the good news that Jesus brings for all people. And if you want a new life, if you want forgiveness for your sins, if you want to experience a power that you have never experienced before, then Jesus is good news. We also know that he is called the Messiah, the Christ, which Translated would be anointed. In the Hebrew scriptures, our Old Testament, there is references to kings and prophets and and priests all being anointed. In particular, the kings would be from the same root word for the Messiah, the anointed. And so when Jesus comes, he represents himself as a priest, as a prophet, as a king. And he is anointed with the Lord's blessing. He is anointed with the Lord's presence. And he is anointed with the Lord's power. Think about that. Jesus comes to demonstrate God's power. And where does God ultimately express The most power, well, unusually, we find it on the cross. That's maybe what Paul meant when he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, that power is made perfect in weakness. You see, Jesus has entered into this world with good news But the good news may not be good news for everyone. You see, because Jesus' good news is going to flip the world upside down on what we would expect socially, economically, uh, politically. It's going to be completely different no matter where you find yourself on these issues. Power is made perfect in weakness. I remember one day coming to work here and the staff was a bit flustered because there had been a homeless man um, who was cut and bleeding who had come into the office. can be kind of a threatening experience. And so I was asked if I would come out and talk with him. And I did. And um, he had a big black eye, he was cut. He, Nicely dressed. I mean, he reeked of alcohol and sweat, but but he had some nice clothes on. And um, what I discovered was he had been uh, a financial planner, broker, um, very successful. uh, But he had lost everything because of his drinking, and he had come here to live with his mother. His mother, he was in his 50s, I'm thinking, so his mother was 85. And so... We were visiting, and I was trying to convince him to let me take him to the ER because he had some really big gashes. He'd fallen over from um, not being able to balance, and he had cut himself quite severely. Finally, we got him wrapped up enough, and I put him in my truck and hauled him down to Honor Health ER, and they were very gracious, and, and they took care of him. But what I discovered in my encounter with this man was that he had come to live with his mother and his mother had finally kicked him out of the house. Think about that. An 85-year-old woman who's confronted with the choice of do I help to care for my son or is he so much out of control that I... What she had to recognize was how weak she was in helping to care for her son. And she couldn't take care of him any longer. And so she told him that, she, that he had to leave. He had to get out of the house. So he was living in the ravines around here. Power is made perfect in weakness. We find it in, in, in unusual ways. We don't find it in our, in our possession of, of greatness. We find it in our servanthood, in our ability Not to show people what we can do, but to show people what we can't do. Our vulnerability, like that 85-year-old mother. What is weakness that Paul speaks about? Well, we know from the early church that the weaknesses that they encountered were insults, hardships, persecutions, troubles, And these weaknesses were exposed by their politics, by their economics, and by all their structures, institutionally. The same way that we realize our weaknesses today, by our politics, by a a virus, (laughs) by hunger, by unemployment. So how do we deal with these weaknesses? Mark tells us that John the Baptist was a messenger. And not just any messenger, but the messenger that had been expected. The second appearance of Elijah. The preparer. So what was he a messenger for? What was he preparing the way for? He was preparing the way for the Messiah. For Jesus. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 40. If you want to... Dig out your Bibles and find Isaiah chapter 40. Powerful verse, or powerful chapter. The whole chapter is amazing. But let's just focus on Isaiah 40, (laughs) verse 3. Because this is where Mark gets this reference to John the Baptist. In Isaiah 40, verse 3, it says, Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Now, maybe what is conjured up in your mind, the images that come to mind, might be like a bulldozer or some heavy moving equipment. I mean, think about that. Clear the way through the wilderness, knocking down all these trees. Um, making a straight highway, you know, through the the wasteland? Got to bulldoze and plow all that stuff out of the way? Is that how this messenger comes to prepare the way? Let's take a closer look. The messenger, John the Baptist, is the voice of one shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way. And there is a preparation, but it's not with bulldozers. With John, it's about a process. And the process is a baptism of repentance. That is how John comes to prepare the way. By inviting, exhorting, calling people, all people to come and to confess their sins, to repent, to turn away from their old life and turn into a new life with God. And then to ritually cleanse oneself not this was not a repeated baptism this was a once and for all baptism to cleanse oneself ritually by being washed in the waters of baptism preparing the way a process repent turn around turn to god and be baptized now many of the rabbis during this time considered this preparer to be a dangerous person. (laughs) They wrote about how, and they taught about how this man was dangerous, this messenger. When you consider the effects on Judea and John's popularity, it's not a surprise ending then that he was beheaded. But nonetheless, he came to prepare the way for the Messiah. And we continue to prepare the way today. We continue with this process of having a time of of confession, of repentance, of turning back to God, of being absolved, forgiven. And as we are cleansed in the waters of baptism, we are reminded of this promise that Christ has given us. The process. Um, I don't know if you've been watching much football it's been an unusual and odd season for football yesterday I was reading about quarantine quarterbacks in the NFL something you'd never would have thought of before this year but one of my favorite pastimes is to watch my favorite college team and I know it's strange and odd um, that I still go back to my home state Iowa but that's the, the college football team that I still root for And I I enjoy watching those games, not just because of the game, but also my brothers are watching, and we text back and forth about the game. And uh, um, let's just say that there's been some impatience with the quarterback for the Hawkeyes this year. This young man was heralded as better than Jared Goff, out of California, the same school, and he just you know, has not prepared appropriately, we feel. And my my one brother, I mean, since, like, the first game, he's been calling, bench the guy, get one of the other quarterbacks in there. And we've played teams, especially the last few weeks, where they've played two quarterbacks. So it's not an unusual thing, especially this year, maybe, for coaches to be trying different quarterbacks. When the Iowa coaches were asked about this, guess what their response was? trust the process (laughs) trust the process that's what john the baptist was saying to the people trust the process you may not see big fancy bulldozers and heavy moving equipment but trust the process we are preparing the way for a messiah that may not look like any messiah that you have expected As the process, this baptism of repentance takes hold, the focus is on the coming Messiah. This is about Jesus. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 40. This is really, truly about Jesus because then the prophet Isaiah talks about the one whom the preparer has prepared the way for. Let's go to 40 verses 9, 10, and 11. Isaiah proclaims, O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power, and he will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. John the Baptist has come to prepare the way. And the process is repentance, a baptism of repentance. What's fascinating is that Mark tells us that Not just a few people. Not just a couple of handfuls of people. But John puts it this way. All of Judea, all of Judea, including all of Jerusalem, came out to the wilderness to see and to hear John. This is not a few people. This is everyone coming to hear John to see John, to experience John. Think of how radical this is. All of Judea, all of Jerusalem, went out to the wilderness. Now, before this encounter, if you were bearing a sin that you needed to confess, if you had found yourself unclean and maybe not even according to your circumstances. Maybe you bumped up against a dead body. That would have been a form of uncleanness. So, so whether you were sinning or whether you were just unclean, the process beforehand had been that you went to the temple. You purchase if you're poor, you purchased a couple of turtle doves. If you weren't poor, you purchased a, a lamb or a goat or or maybe even a heifer, I mean, a, an ox. I mean, you, you purchased an animal, and that animal was sacrificed, and it was, its life was taken away so that you could have your life restored. This all happened in the temple in Jerusalem with the priest conducting the service for your sins. Now all the people of Judea, all the people of Jerusalem who are supposed to go to the temple are going out to the wilderness to repent and to be baptized by John as a ritual of cleansing. The priests, probably still back in the temple, yelling at the people, hey, come back, get back in here. It's kind of what I'll be doing in a few months probably. Hey, come back, come back in here. But, but that's the, that was what the priests were expecting, was that people would come to them. And now they're all going out to this wilderness, to the desert, to see John the Baptist. This story does not open in the temple that sits in the holy city. This story opens in the desert with John the Baptist preaching and baptizing. And it ends with John preaching a promise that someone that is greater is coming. Verses 7 and 8. John announced, Someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater I'm not even worthy to stoop down, (coughs) excuse me, like a slave, and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Turning from sin and turning toward God means that we will help to prepare the way, as John has called us. (coughs) Pardon me. And all of this is possible because of this promised Holy Spirit. So we should prepare for the day of the Lord's coming. Now for some, it may feel like that day has come and gone, but God is patient and loving. In Second Peter, if you want to we took a look this summer at First Peter. This is in Second Peter. If you want to turn Second 2 Peter chapter 3, we're going to look at starting at verse 8. And then we're going to read through uh, 15. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years in the Lord. And a thousand years <coughs> is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for These things to happen make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. It begins by reminding us that a day is like a thousand years to God, and a thousand years is like a day. God's understanding of time and our understanding of time don't connect, because God is so much greater than we are. But we also are reminded that because God is loving, he is patient, and he wants to give this world every opportunity to change, to turn back to God. In verses 8 and 9 today, um, of that reading in particular, and then the last verses 14 and 15 are those reminders of god's love of god's patience and of god's power that we just can't comprehend everything and that is the promise from god for you and so we are invited to join with john the baptist and to prepare the way now i told you earlier that this gospel is all about jesus So let's begin with his baptism and take a look at what Jesus is about here in this gospel reading for today. Jesus' baptism is different from all other baptisms. But let's begin at the beginning here of verse 9 of our reading. One day Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee was baptized by John in the Jordan. Very simple. One day Jesus came down from Nazareth in Galilee, to the Jordan River, to John, and had John baptize him. It's simple. Mark is unusual. Matthew uh, puts a different twist on it. Luke puts a different twist on it. Mark is just very simple. Jesus came down, boom, was baptized. One of the things that I find fascinating, that I thought about as I was studying for this sermon this week, was how Jesus identifies with sinners. Jesus identifies with sinners who have come out to the wilderness to see and to hear John, to repent, to turn from their sins, to turn back to God, and to be baptized. Jesus identifies with the sinners. Isn't that something that the first thing that the Messiah does when he begins his ministry on earth? is that he comes to identify with you and me, with sinners. He didn't come here to make a name for himself. He didn't come here to be this grand celebrity. He came here to identify with you, to identify with me, and to be God with us, Emmanuel. The second thing we learned from this baptism is that as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart. In some translation, it talks about them splitting or tearing apart. Um, literally, the heavens were torn apart. When I think about that, I was reminded of how different my mother was. Um, she, Everything in our home was immaculate. I mean, she was an amazing um, homemaker. And um, I remember at Christmas time the meticulous way she would wrap the gifts, you know, folding the creases neatly, making sure all of the folds were exactly proportionate to one another. And then they would be taped, very little tape, because you wanted to conserve and use as little tape as possible. So the better your folds, the better um, use of tape and paper. And then I remember when we would open gifts on Christmas, and uh, my brothers and I, we would just tear everything, rip it all open. And uh, my mother, she would carefully undo the tape and then open it up, open the creases, unfold it, and then she'd take the box out and open the box and see the gift. And then she would fold the paper back up on the creases, so that she could pack it away and use it again the next Christmas. Think about that image compared to my brothers and me tearing everything open. You see, the difference is my brothers and I, we could not reuse the gift paper that we had for our Christmas gifts. Once it's torn apart, torn asunder, there is nothing left. That's why in the marriage ceremony, Um, we talk about not wanting this marriage to be torn asunder. Um, And so when we talk about things being torn, what we're talking about is things that can't be put back together. And I think that that's really an important image from this baptism, is that when Jesus came up out of the waters, it says that the heavens were torn apart. Never to be put back together again. That means that they won't be reattached. They won't be re That what is happening is catechismic. And it is new. It won't return to the old normal. But it's not a new normal either. It is new. It is new, but it is not normal. The heavens are being torn apart. That tells us that this Messiah is different than every other expectation of power that we have ever imagined. The third thing, the Spirit descends upon Jesus, actually literally descends into Jesus like a dove. So now Jesus possesses the Spirit. Or a better translation would actually be that Jesus is now possessed by the Spirit. I remember friends of mine who used to talk about preachers when they would really get going. They'd say, oh, yeah, now they're in the zone. Now they're, now they're being possessed. Well, Jesus was actually possessed by the Spirit because the Spirit went into Jesus. The Spirit is not Jesus, but the Spirit is God's Spirit who goes into Jesus. The image that we see this translation used most often in the Scriptures is when someone is demon-possessed. Except Jesus isn't demon-possessed here. He's being possessed by God's Spirit, not by a demon. And so when he is later accused of being possessed by a demon, that is why those people are guilty of blasphemy, because they look at the Holy Spirit, they look at the Spirit of God as a demon. That is not who God is. God is the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit comes into Jesus in his baptism. The image of the dove that is referenced here reminds me of Genesis 1-2 when it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters after the waters had been created. The Spirit hovered like a dove over the waters. And now the Spirit resides within Jesus, hovering within him. The fourth and final piece of this very brief baptism says this, And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly beloved Son, and you bring me great joy. Jesus is God's anointed son. Remember we talked about that in the beginning, Messiah means anointed. Jesus is God's anointed son. And there's a reference to Psalm 2 here, verse 7. It says that the king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, "You are my son. Today I have become your father." That is the Lord God recognizing, acknowledging that there is a particular king, a Messiah, who is his son. And that is the reference that we have for the conclusion of Jesus' baptism. What we know here, then, is that God pours out his spirit upon his servant, Jesus. And his servant, Jesus, has come to bring justice to the nations, to bring salvation to those who are perishing, and to bring new life for those who are dying. Jesus is greater than John the Baptist. Jesus is greater than all. But it would be hard to figure that out from the world's standards. Because when Jesus appears... He doesn't identify with the rich and the powerful, but he identifies with the sinners. When he comes, he doesn't come as a military hero ready to conquer the world, but he's the, he comes as a servant who wants to serve through acts of love. And when he reigns as king, he reigns by dying on the cross. The crucifixion was the weakest Expression of political and social power that you could ever find. And yet, that is the format that this Messiah, Jesus, our God, chooses to display his power. This Jesus doesn't look like a king of the world, and yet he is introduced to us as the Messiah, the Son of God. So, knowing this about Jesus, are you ready to prepare the way for this kind of a king? And if it's so, then our preparation will take a different tact. It will begin with repentance, and it will turn to trust, and it will encounter weakness after weakness Persecution, insult, troubles, but we will not lose hope. We will keep faith, because God is with us, Emmanuel, In his name is Jesus. Amen.